<laughs> no, I love you, long-haired person. Of all the people I know, you are one of them. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, I won't make this long because I know a lot of you want to get back and see the four or five hours worth of introduction to a game. Um, <laughs> so that you know every player, you know their wife's name, their children, uh, their dog. Um, I don't know why they started at like one o'clock. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I was going to say some things about the game, but he just mentioned... Uh, him, whatever his name is, he mentioned that, uh, and, and so did Steve about yelling, and I was just thinking, um, <clears throat> that is what we call a less, lesser lover. There's, we have a great lover, the lover of our soul, and we have things like Super Bowls, great, I love, I love sports, but it's, it, it's a lesser lover, and, and I was just thinking that, that to many people, it's their great lover. Um, the sports channel, ESPN, whatever it may be. Uh, it, it could be a lot of other things. Uh, and just Super Bowl Day is a good day to evaluate what are my lesser lovers? What are the things that take up my time, energy, and, and finances that, that I've so fallen in love with that I really don't spend that much time with my great lover? So uh, I just thought I'd make you feel guilty Start right off the bat. Um, <laughs> And now I, I want to give you hope and mercy, and you know, <laughs> I'm going to be in Psalm 37. If you got a Bible, it's uh, it's right after Psalm 36. I know it's unbelievable. Paul, you are—I don't know—you are you. <laughs> yeah. um, Psalm 37. It starts right out, this is Psalm of David, and, and uh, he says this, verse 1, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green herb. The Lord bless your word. <laughs> um, I'm not going to talk that much about evildoers. Uh, I remember when George Bush use the term evildoers, people had a heyday, um, but it's, it's pretty biblical, evildoers. Evil um, somehow the word evil has lost its punch uh, in our time period uh, because everyone can believe what they want to believe at any particular time. Um, <laughs> I was listening to, uh, uh, without getting too political here, I was listening to a guy debate someone on, um, a, a, it was a gender issue, and they were going back and forth, and, and uh, the, the, the gal said um, uh, she, she made it really clear that she was right no matter what because of the way she identified. And, and the guy said, well, I identify as, as the absolute right one. <laughs> she goes, you can't do that. She says, well, you just did that. Well, I'm identifying as the absolute right one. She goes, you can't, you can't do that. And he just sat there and goes, I'm the right one. I'm sorry, but you're stuck. <laughs> and she, said, she didn't have much to say. So I'm identifying this morning as the right one. So, <clears throat> um, so I'm not going to that, talk that much about evildoers, uh, though 
That's, that sounds like a great sermon, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. But there's a song that came after, after uh, World War II started. It was one year into World War II. Um, no, excuse me, World War I. So uh, World War I, and, and at that particular time, there were you know, men marching off to war. And sometimes in the beginning when you march off to war, I remember... Um, uh, I'd known, growing up, I'd known a lot of World War II veterans, and my uncle was one of them, and they just said, as soon as we got of age, we joined, and, you know, they talked about being a, a, a kind of, they used the word romantic, it was a romantic time, there's the bad guy way over there, and we're over here, now we've got this fresh uniform, and now we're going to go over there, <clears throat> and he said after a short period of time, it wasn't romantic anymore. And the same thing true with World War I. This is a World War I marching song that was written one year after the war started. So all the, you know, all the glamour and pomp were replaced by mud and mustard gas. And <clears throat> this is how the song went. What's the use of worrying? It never was worthwhile. So pack up your troubles in your old knit bag and smile, smile, smile. Anybody remember that song when you were young? <laughs> I would love to see a hand. <laughs> I love that. It sounds so easy within the framework of a song. Pack up all your troubles and smile, smile, smile. It was written as a marching song, going off to war to fight and die. <laughs> smile, smile. So that's what the, 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 the kit bag was your bag that you took with you. So pack, put all your troubles there and, and just go off to war. And by the way, make sure that you smile. <clears throat> and uh, that would be wonderful if you could do that. Um, but this song is the song, but the psalm starts out with do not fret, do not fret. Um, it is a beautiful invitation to do one of the hardest things known to man. And that is not to let your mind wander and to, to worry. There's a couple of words this morning, Keith and, and uh, Caleb, you too, just talking about anxiousness um, but this is the, the peaceful time of year. We call it tax, tax time. Um, <laughs> um, my, my niece is a CPA, and she talks about tax time and how just peaceful and joyful it is uh, in, her, in her business and how the people come in and just hand things over and smile, smile, smile. Uh, <laughs> how many here love tax time? Is anybody probably who's an accountant here that makes their money from January to April fifteenth? You love it. Um, it's, but it, this this culture that we're in, it is so filled. Uh, the way I, I worded it here is: How many hours of sleep do we lose because of our finances? How many hours do we lose because of our children, over our marriage? our work, our physical challenges, uh, and throw in a global pandemic in the last few years have introduced a spirit of fear into this country like I've never seen. We're afraid of everything. I mean, I, I, I don't want to be condescending to, to an age group or to a group or to, to a person, but the amount of things that we have to have to decrease our anxiety is, is at a level uh, that psychiatrists say and psychologists say that they've never seen in their lifetime. 
whether it's, whether it's again, I, I don't want to be condescending, whether it's an animal, whether it's a, a, a plush toy, whether, you know, whatever it may be, we're finding we have to grab something and pull it in to help decrease the anxiety. And, and I, under, I understand it. I, I, um, I have lost more than a few hours sleep in my lifetime over a number of those things. <clears throat> um, I don't think anyone would say that we would take worry over rest. Um, but when, when David says, don't fret, I think he, he's giving us an invitation to something that maybe, maybe we don't live in um, or maybe we compensate with what I said in the beginning, a lesser lover. We compensate with one that's lesser than the one that can actually heal our heart. Are we okay this morning? Okay. Are you tracking with me at all? I, okay. Um, so it goes down to, then it says right after this, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Okay. Fret not. The desires of your heart are waiting for you. Okay. This is good. I like this. I, I like this second part. But it's all, it's, it's all one frame and flow of consciousness that David's doing here. He's saying, you have so many things. There are people out there that, that are just evil and they're making it really well in the world. And you're over here and you're struggling. You go, oh, God, do you not see my world? Because I can see them and it looks like they've got everything together uh, in the world. But they're, they're horrible people. And all you have to do is just, you know read, watch. There are just some horrible people out there that look, and again, that sounds judgmental, um, but I'm, I am. I'm judging you, so they're horrible. So there you go. Um, <laughs> well, I got the mic. I can kind of get away with it. Uh, but there, there are people out there, you look at it, you go, I can't believe that they're the ones, and what about me? What about me? The, the what about me people is, has anybody besides me been a what about me person? Oh, come on. <laughs> Let me try that again. Have you ever said what about me? Thank you. Half of you. Liars. <laughs> okay, maybe you haven't. Maybe you've never said that. In which case, come and pray over me. Um, there's an interesting thing about, about Hebrew and how Hebrew is written. Hebrew, uh, we, we, have, we have English and we have our English sentences. Johnny went to the store and picked up some eggs. Well, anyway, Johnny got a really good job first, and then he picked up some eggs. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Luke clapped for me on that one. Um, so the way it goes is you've got your subject, and then you've got your predicate, and uh, to the story you've got your prepositional phrase. And it doesn't work that way in Hebrew. Uh, if I were to say that in Hebrew, it would come out to the store where eggs bought by Johnny. <laughs> you know, it just kind of makes things backwards. And so when you when you read it, you, it's it's all there, but it sometimes it's a little backwards. And so the same thing is true with this little area: is that sometimes it certain verses actually identify and quantify another verse. So in other words, what you've got here is trust in the Lord, do good. Dwell in the land, feed on its faithfulness, delight yourself in the Lord. 
Now, I've read another, because I love this, I love this passage through here. So I'm reading a, a bunch of different commentaries and some, some Hebrew experts, which I am not. I just read what the Hebrew experts say and then make it sound like I'm a Hebrew expert, but I'm not. Um, they, they, they say that verses three, uh, verse 3 defines verse 4. Because if you look at verse 4, you say, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Well, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Okay? How, the question becomes, how do I delight in the Lord? That's a huge question, people. Does that mean, uh, hi, I'm happy, happy. I learned this song years ago. Some guy came into our church and taught us the song. He got up to, to, to start a sermon. He goes, I want to teach you a song. Happy, 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 happy. Happy are the people who trust in the Lord. How many have heard this song? Anybody? Wow, okay. So he sang this song, and I just remember sitting there going, seriously? Happy, 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 happy. Guess what song has stayed with me for 40 years? <laughs> okay. Happy are the people who trust in the Lord. Oh, there's something about people that trust. They've got something that other people might not. And when you're always going, well, what about me? It, it's an indicator that there's a lack of trust somewhere in someone. Okay? Because we're now fretting. We're fretting. There's a lot of, you can fret because of evildoers. You can fret because it's tax time. You can fret because your children aren't where you think they need to be. Or you can pray and believe where your children should be. We have two worlds that we can live in. One is we fret. I talk to people on a regular basis that every time I talk to them, they're fretting at me. They fret all over me. <laughs> then I have to go clean myself up later. <laughs> so, thank you, Bethany. I appreciate that. <laughs> I can always count on um, Charles and Bethany over there, whatever. Oh, sorry. I'm just kidding, Caleb. I'm not, <laughs> I know who you are. So here's, here's the deal. So verse 3 defines verse 4. How do I delight myself in the Lord? Well, I go back one verse. So I'm going backwards now, and this is what it says. Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness, and that is delighting yourself in the Lord. Hebrew style. So, okay, trust in the Lord. Let me... I, I'm going to make, this is interactive today, okay? Is that okay, Tom? Yeah. Okay, good. Just want to make sure. By the way, it's, it's uh, <clears throat> black jack on red queen is your plan there. No, just kidding. <laughs> You're all in. He wasn't playing solitaire. That was a joke. He actually, is, he actually has what's called a Bible in his hand, which is... I love when I hear pages turning. Nathan said that recently, didn't he? Okay, I, I like it too. All right, trust in the Lord. Let me ask you a question. Do you always, always, 100% trust in the Lord? Okay, do you mostly? You're here on Sunday morning. Okay? How many of you worshiped? Yeah. How many of you pray, maybe not three hours a day, but pray? It's part of your lifestyle. You, that is, you, you, you trust the Lord. Do you trust the Lord 100% of the time? No. No human does trust the Lord 100% of the time. 
But your lifestyle tells me you trust God. And that's what we got to get a hold of. The enemy would love to say, all you do is fret. Well, actually, the reality is I really trust a whole lot more than I fret, but I don't think about it. Why? Because somebody else fills your mind with something else that's not true, and you don't get to spend time thinking about what really is true. Are we okay? Do I, am I in a group of people that trust God? Yes. Do you always? But is your lifestyle of one of trust? Yeah. Do good. How many of you do bad all day long? A couple of you. Okay. All right. I'll ignore those hands. But you, you, you don't get up in the morning and say, I'm going to screw everybody's life up. Oh, hi, honey. Hi. Yeah, I'm going to cut those cables in her car. No. Well, that was morbid, wasn't it? <laughs> but at least you're awake a little bit. We don't, the reason why you laughed is because you don't think that way. Why? Because I really want to do good. My heart is to do good. I don't sit around all day and just think up evil and mischief. So let me ask you a question. Do you good all, do good all the time? But is your heart to do good as a lifestyle? Then you do good. I, I'm just trying to give you Bible. That's all. It's just, thank you. Dwell in the land. Oh, that's, what does that mean? <clears throat> well, the fact that you're here is an indication that you dwell on the land. Dwell in the land, in this particular case, had a little bit more physicality. In other words, it was where you are. But there is an aspect of physicality here. You come together. You come together with people in the, in the place where, where when two or three gather, he's there in the midst. And your heart wants to grow. You're not, you're not, when you get off here, you're not going to some horrible club where devious and, and horrible things are taking place. That's not what you do. You're here. Afterwards, you might go and have lunch with somebody and that's, that's here. And, and you're trying to dwell in a place where, where God shows up and where good people are. Your habits aren't one to go and to leave here and to drink until 3 a.m., be away from your spouse and your children, and that's what you do as a lifestyle. It's not. You want to find yourself planted with people that know God and love God. Do you dwell in the land? Good. Try it again. Do you dwell in the land? Do you always plant yourself exactly where you're supposed to be? No. That's what grace is all about. That's what mercy is all about. Even Keith said, <coughs> talked about um, that he sees uh, he's, what was the, I think it was Psalm 103 this morning. You must have read it before you got there. But he sees how frail we are, and he pities us. That word, that word pity doesn't mean he looks down at us. It means he has full understanding of our weaknesses. Okay? Wow. In the midst of all the full understanding of our and yet, so he sees us, yet, and yet we're going, yeah, but I want to be with God's people. I want to grow in the world. Then you're dwelling. That's a dwelling heart. The opposite of a dwelling heart is the, the son that left and went away. He lost it, but he regained it. And he once again became a dwelling son. <clears throat> this all right? Okay. And then it says, feed on his faithfulness. How many have ever read the Bible in the last year? 
Well, there's a low bar for you. Okay. Okay, most of you haven't. That's a little sad. No. Um, it's, it's called, I'm tired of raising my hand, and so I'm not going to do it for you, Chris. And I don't care what you say. I am not going to raise my hand because you will not control me. I've been controlled before. I'm not going to be controlled again by leadership. Okay, calm down. Calm down. Okay. It's like that one sheep that was going to go astray. I'm breaking out of here. So what are you doing? I'm breaking out of here. Controlling shepherd. You know, it's like, no, he's actually good. Uh, okay, I, I got a whole sermon on that. I'll leave it. To feed on his faithfulness means that you put within your heart and your soul the truth of God. All right? Now, I'm not going to tell you how often you should read Scripture. Uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of like manna. It ought to go in us every day, but I know because of life and, and things that go on, we, that doesn't always happen. But somewhere along the line, you're being fed. You're allowing your soul to be fed. It might be on a Sunday morning. It might be you're listening to this, you know, podcast that you really love. I don't know what it is, but I'm looking at a group of people who are fed. Okay, you feed on his faithfulness. And it's just, it's interesting that what we're feeding on is, is God being there and available all the time for us. And you go, well, I'm not perfect in that. But no, let me tell you something. You are you are moving in that direction, and your heart is to see those things in fruition and great fruition and greater percentages in your life. And he looks at you and he goes, oh, Paul delights in me. You know, Michael's right there. He's not perfect, Lord. Yes, Michael, thank you. Neither are you. What? I'm an angel. I'm an archangel. Yes, but you're not me. And Paul isn't either. He's a good man. He loves me. Yes, but he's not perfect. I know. Go find me a human that's perfect and bring them to me. Because, well, I'll go to the S. Yes Palmer house. <laughs> yes, you mean Steve S. Palmer? No, I mean Kathleen. <laughs> <laughs> Why would David talk about all these things? Because delighting is the answer to fretting. Finding out that you delight in him, finding a lifestyle of delighting in God, cancels out fretting about what is around you. Can we all say hi to David here? <laughs> That's the last thing you wanted, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what, David says three things right away. Verse, verse 4, he says, delight yourself in the Lord. Verse 5, he says, commit your way to the Lord. Verse 7, rest in the Lord. Again, there's no coincidence that he's putting three things together. Why? Because he's trying to counter fretting. He's trying to counter anxiety. He's trying to counter worry. I, I, I'm not a psychologist, uh, I, I play one in a series. No, I don't play one. <laughs> I, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. Um, I've heard that before. Uh, <clears throat> delighting, committing, and resting. 
I, I'm, when, I, when I look at Psalm 37, I, I read the first verse, do not fret. Part of me goes, well, you know, I, I've read this, I love this, I've studied this for years, and yet every now and then, anxiety wants to come on me. Something's not fulfilled. The money's not going to be there. One of my kids is, is having a tough time. Um, one of my grandkids is, is going through whatever they're going through. I, I just, I live in a real world, and now and then I fret. That's just the reality. Uh, if, if anybody ever stood up here and said, I never fret and I never worry, I don't know if I could listen to them. I, 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 have, a, I have a limp in life, you know. I, I think those are nice to have uh, because it indicates the fact that we all know you're not perfect, but you can't admit it. Well, I can fully and easily admit I am not perfect. I, I have a limp, and, and, and worry would love to grab my heart. Worry would love to remove the trust that, I, that he wants me to have in him and place it on a lesser lover. In this particular case, it's not even a lover. It's an enemy that wants to control you. Worry is, is you know, it, it, worry doesn't quite have the same punch as fret. I worry a little bit. I fret. Fret takes it to a whole other level. And I think that's what David's talking about. He understands that we get a little worried or anxious. God understands that. He sees our frailty. But he doesn't want us to live in fret. Fret's a whole, fret is a lifestyle. And when you look at your life and the things that you worry about now and now, ask the Holy Spirit, is there an area that has so consumed me that I've given that area over to fretting? And I don't allow God to, to, to put roots of trust in that area. I'm going to own it by fretting. And we do that. But he puts three things together. And again, it's not a coincidence. Delight yourself, commit your way, and rest in the Lord. All right? Well, what do I delight in? Well, again, let me just say this. It is easy to get up in front of however many people there are for someone to get up and to give you an easy answer how not to have anxiety or worry. It just is. It's easy to throw something out. Here's the answer. You should never do this anymore. And, and then when you do, you feel worse off than when you started. So is there something I can introduce into my life that will help the process of making these lesser and lesser until it's no more? And he says, yeah, actually, it, it's called delighting, committing, and resting. And God put it all together in the same chapter so that we could have an answer to not fretting. So what do I delight in? Well, I delight, I have to learn to delight in what God has done and see the past in God's eyes and not mine. Because if, if some of us, if we look back here, we can see this is when I was disappointed, this is when I didn't get that job, this is when this person broke up with me, this is when my finances went astray, this is, and I, I look back and everything is, not, I have no delight for how God's faithfulness that brought me here. If I can't see the goodness of God, then I'll never see it in the land of the living. So part of me has to go, I think I need to change how I look at my past. 
I think I need to see how God brought me here. How did he do that? Well, he did it in spite of me. He did it in spite of you. He surrounded you with people that love you. Yes, but yeah. But here's the thing. Those two words ruin faith all the time. Yes, but. Yes, but. Yes, the enemy will have an answer and finish that sentence for you on a regular basis. Yes, but. Yes, but, Chris, you don't understand. Oh, really? Yes, you don't understand the pain I went through when I was young. Yes, I do. I was beaten by an ex-soldier who was a POW. I understand. Yes, but you don't understand losing it all. Yes, I do. We moved out and had no money. I had to live with my grandmother and my uncle and everybody else, and then we have got a house that my mother paid $9,000 for over 30 years. It didn't have an upstairs, but I slept upstairs. I was six foot one and slept in a five foot four ceiling. So when I got upstairs, I had to bend over, and I hit my head on a regular basis. Yes, but, yeah, well, okay, you can go until I don't have something, and then what do you have? Something better. But you don't have God. You have a yes, but, which is not something you really want. <laughs> I saw a monkey with a yes, but once. <laughs> oh, thank you, Keith. What else do I delight? Well, I delight in what God is doing. Oh, what God's doing now. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Part of me wants to just say that to somebody in the middle of counseling. Excuse me, shut up. You know. <laughs> Wouldn't that go over well? <laughs> um, if you can't see what God has done before, you'll not see what God is doing now. And if you can't see what God is doing now, you'll never see what he's doing in the future. In other words, you will live a life of never seeing God doing anything in your life. It's always something else, and you have become the world's biggest victim from start to finish because it's everything else against you. And, and here's the thing. Anything I give over, they are the puppet master, and I'm the puppet. I want God to have my strengths. I want God to move me. I want God to direct me. I want God to lead me. Am I going to be perfect the whole No. We already dealt with that, though. So in the process, I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to mature. <clears throat> but I, I just don't want to live without seeing God moving somehow. And if you have trouble, turn to a friend and say, what have you seen God do in my life? What do you see God doing now? Be honest with me. Do you see God in my life? Oh, my gosh. I certainly do. If you, if you can't speak it, let someone speak it for you. That's what God gave us friends for. And if you're around people who are doing the opposite and speaking the opposite, get away from those people. But they're my closest friends. I know that's your problem. Your closest friends are destroying your faith. You have no trust with certain... You know, you know, there are certain people... The, the relationship, the fruit of the relationship is lack of trust. You need to step away for a while. Okay. <coughs> I delight in that. Oh, time's up.
God's calling you right now. <laughs> I guess that was her phone. Okay. <clears throat> what do I delight in? Past, present, and future. Can I see it? No. Then ask God to show you. What do I commit to? Well, you commit to, know, you, you commit to the invitation in life what God has given you on a regular basis. You commit to working hard in your job. You commit your love to your wife, your husband, to your children. When I'm so mad, okay, then commit to the marriage until you can commit back to the person. Did you hear what I just said? Commit to the marriage until you can commit back to the person. Wow, Chris, are you telling me not to commit? No, I'm not. If you're hearing that, I slap you with love. What I'm saying is sometimes we have, I, I'm so mad in our anger and our bitterness and our whatever, and we detach ourselves to the person. But I made a commitment to a marriage, and I'm going to stick with it. We need to be people of commitment. When we commit ourselves to the Lord, oh, what, what a difference in the way that we live our lives. <clears throat> now i got to move on. So what do I rest? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> what do you, let me ask this, what do you have to do to find rest? What do you have to do to find rest? Well, I find rest by, by telling everyone in the house to go away. Okay, let's, let's look at something different. <laughs> I, I think we can all find rest getting rid of all the people that annoy us during the day. I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. It's rest for your soul. How do I find rest for my soul? I don't know how you do it. I know this, that if, if I get some alone time, all I need is just five minutes into, a, into something of just reading some sweet part of his word. My soul begins to take rest. It doesn't take long for me. I open this, I open this up, I begin to read, and suddenly my soul begins to melt a little bit. I take rest by putting on certain kinds of music, closing my eyes and just allowing it to bathe over me. I, some, I don't rest sometimes with a lot of music that has a lot of words and they're telling me how to think. That, that doesn't do it for me. I, I need, my, my soul needs something that's inviting. Rest is huge. Now, putting them together, if I can learn to delight and commit and to rest. Whew. Again, this is not some kind of, you know, well, Chris, you came up with a, with a, you know, a, a modern day way to not fret. No, David did this thousands of years ago. He tells a group of people, don't be anxious. Don't fret. Because of this, because of that, because of everything else. And you know what? If you can find delight in God, if you can commit your way to the Lord and then find a place where your heart rests, you'll find that anxiety leaves like the butterfly you try to catch. I was in New York City years ago. I used to live there. I lived there for a, a year, and I went to see a, <clears throat> a building. There was a building on a corner. I told this story once in a Sunday session. There was a building being built on a corner, a high-rise, and they were all about 40, 50 stories high, and this fence was there, eight-foot fence, and I couldn't see 
and they, they hadn't built the building yet, and I couldn't see, and I wanted to see, and I saw this little crack, and I saw this huge hole in the ground, and a, a smaller chain link fence around it. So I knew that the hole in the ground was going to be the foundation. So I really wanted to see the hole. So somehow I found uh, my way inside, past the signs that says "Do not enter." I don't. I think it said "Please enter," but maybe it said "Do not enter." But I got inside. And I'm looking, and I'm thinking, how deep is this hole? So I took a rock, and I took the rock, and I just threw it in, and I never heard it land. So I took a bigger rock, and I threw it in, and it went, Poof. I go, oh my gosh, that's deep. I wanted to climb over the fence, the little chain leak fence, and go closer to the hole, but I, I knew better. And suddenly, this huge man comes out from around the corner with one of those little yellow hats, little plastic hat, you know what I'm talking about? Except his head was so big it just looked like a thimble on his head. And I started to laugh and I thought, no, he'll kill you, don't laugh. So he comes over, get away from that hole. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I just wanted to see how deep the hole was. And he looked at me and he said something incredible. He goes, you can't build high unless you go deep first. I went, oh. So I went over and I said, thank you. And I gave him a big kiss on the lips. And, and no, I didn't do that. But I wanted to because he gave me a way for living, which is this. I dig, God builds. I'm anxious. I, I got to fix it. No, no, no. I go down first. Okay? I delight first. I commit. I rest. I do the things that are below the surface so that God can build above the surface. But the shallower I go, the less he can build. If I don't go deep, then that which I build can easily fall over. Nathan talked about Sabbath and the importance of Sabbath. I want you to see a video. It's, really, it's a short video, but I want you to see the power of a right foundation. Okay? Go ahead, guys. Each wave, it's worrying about my kids. Oh, my finances are going to destroy me. Each one comes against it. But it's built in such a way that that which goes down below the surface, that which you don't see, crushes what you do see. That's the power of Psalm 37. David said this, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous nor forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. I just want to say and speak this over us. <clears throat> the waves that crash, the waves that hit, they can knock us over if our foundation isn't good. They can knock us over if all we do is fret and are anxious. But what if our fretting and our anxiousness is a sign for us to now turn and go deep? What if a recognition of where we're at is a flag that goes up? You know, it's like a stop sign. 
I remember one, one little kid that was in my car one time, and I, it was probably one of my uh, nephews or nieces. Um, do, you, do you get mad at the stop sign? Papa, does the stop sign make you mad? Do you want to go through it? And I said, no, the stop sign saves my life. I don't get mad at indicators. I don't get mad at signs. They point to something else. And fear and anxiety point to a need that I have that maybe I didn't know I had. Maybe it's been a lifestyle for so long that I don't even recognize it as anything but part of my life. In which case, it's just a little stop sign that says, stop here and wait for it to be safe. Stop here and shift something over. Just put your hand on your heart for a second. Lord, this heart is yours. <clears throat> you didn't give it to us so that <coughs> we would fret and worry our days away and that our heart would become weak because of anxiety and fear. Uh, but you speak to us <clears throat> that we'd faint unless we believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That land of the living, Lord, that means our lifetime. We'd faint unless we believed. But those that don't believe, some are fainting. And Lord, my heart goes out to every heart that faints, to every heart that's anxious, to every heart that frets. <clears throat> yeah, we carry worry with us. It's part of life in a sense. But you give us a way out. Teach us how to delight in you. Show us practical ways to commit our ways to you. Give us that Sabbath rest that you talk about. Hmm. We have some heroes here in Providence that in the midst of those kinds of waves, they still stand firm. And I, I don't know if the others are here, but Cindy, would you stand? This is a hero right here. She has one relentless wave after another that wanted to ravage her heart, soul, body, and spirit. And she stands here today like that lighthouse. Because she put roots down that when the waves came, the waves did not destroy who she is and what she's all about. But she stood by the grace of God, great loving husband next to her, and kids that love her. And so she stands today as an example that we can all stand, that when the waves hit us, there's a number of people around here I can call out. I don't want to do it for just because of time. But Cindy, thank you for standing so that you can give to us an example of what it means to be a real daughter, to be a real child of God who knows where to plant her feet and where to put her roots down. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you.
It says in verse 16, I'll end here, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of the wicked. Oh, you have no clue. The little you think you have is so much more than what you think they have. Lord, I just ask that you would show us what we have. I'd ask that you would show us how you've carried us, how today you bless us, carry us, and nurture us. And Lord, that you have good things ahead in the future for us. Let us be a people who trust. Let us be a people who find ourselves at rest. Let us be a people who commit our ways to you. And let us be a people who delight ourselves in God. That we would be a people of trust, that providence would be known. Oh, there are people that love and trust God. Let that be in Jesus' name.